Hey guys, welcome to the Fieldcrafts Revolve podcast. We're going to get to the show in just a minute, but before we introduce our guest and get down to business, we got to recognize a few of our friends that make this totally possible. I want to recognize Sig Sauer, uh, Sig Sauer, and that's the correct pronunciation, Sig Sawyer, Sig Sauer. Sig Sauer is a leading firearms manufacturer, and they are the makers of one of my favorite firearms out there, which is the Sig MPX. Guys, SIG and I, we go way back. Um, SIG Academy is the training branch of SIG Sauer. And, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. The first SIG pistol I ever purchased was an early SIG 226, which I stupidly sold. And I know that like DASA guns aren't as cool as modern striker fire pistols, ugh, striker fire pistols like the 320 uh, or the 365. But man, that SIG 226 was a tank. And talking to buddies who are classic line armors, they say that you can rebuild those classic line pistols, the 220, 226, uh, 225, 228, 227, 229. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. You can rebuild those over and over and over. So SIG is definitely a firearms manufacturer you want to take a look at. If you decide to go up to the training academy, you're going to get a chance to train with some of the best instructors in the world. And, you know, in this industry, I've met a bunch of cool guys, a bunch of uh, tier one folks, and I've met some folks with some seriously, seriously bad egos. I will tell you that the instructors up at SIG, they just want to see students do better. And they'll say, here's one way to do it. Here's another way to do it. Here's three or four more ways to do it. Find the one that works the best for you. There's no such thing as a one size fits all answer up there. And like I said, I've enjoyed my time training up at the Academy. So please check out sigsour.com. Check out sigsouracademy.com. Take a look at all the cool stuff they have to offer. Now, this next industry partner, uh, good friends of ours, it's Hoist. And right now, if you were to go into the Firebase, North Carolina Firebase refrigerator, you would see bottles of Hoist. Hoist has been kind enough to send us some of this good stuff, which really helps with rehydration. And out here in North Carolina, where the temperatures get really, really hot and humid, we st see students all the time go from, you know, bright and alert to kind of haggard and a little like cloudy in the brain. Well, Hoist is one of those things, whether they're drinking the liquid version or they mix the powdered version of their drinks. It definitely, definitely helps bring them back. Uh, we're proud to, you know, represent Hoist. I have a Hoist banner up in our warehouse where we do our training uh, for the very reason I want people to just know about it. I swear by it. I mean, I'm a pretty active person myself. I also sweat like a pig. And after a good workout or training out here, good range day, where you just know you've lost pounds of water weight, Hoist is one of those drinks that definitely makes you, you feel better. So uh, please check out hoist.com and take a look at all the drinks that they have. There's one of their drinks, which is like an orange mango one or a peach mango. It's either orange mango or peach mango. I just know it has a mango in it and damn, that stuff is good. That's like the first one to disappear. And believe it or not, the watermelon one is really awesome. Like we've probably all had nasty watermelon stuff in the past. Well, the hoist stuff is pretty darn good. Um, guys, check them out, hoist.com. They are used by a lot of elite groups, the military, high-performance athletes, you name it. And like I said, you are going to be pretty pleased when you see how you perform after you drink Hoist. Guys, uh, the last thing I'm going to bring up, 
we've got some really cool courses coming up. Uh, we have a new guest instructor series. We have three instructors I want to point out to you guys. Jason Smith is coming to Fieldcraft Survival North Carolina in Aberdeen on July 29th. He was on the show Alone, The Beast. A, he's a former SEER instructor as well as a former SF dude. Solid guy. He's been on this podcast before, so check that one out. We also have Alan Odinson, who's doing primitive and traditional archery. Alan is basically a modern day barbarian. And if you look up Odinson archery, you're going to see all the crap that he can do with that bow. Dude shoots fast. He's hilarious. Really, really good instructor. Um, and even though he looks like a total badass, he's the nicest dude you'll ever meet. Uh, he's coming August 5th here to North Carolina. And the last one that we have currently on our site is probably one of the biggest names in the bow hunting industry, a legend in his own right. And that is Aaron Snyder. Aaron Snyder from Kafaru, another one of our good friends, one of the companies that I'm proud to represent and have been sponsored by for years. Kafaru, um, Aaron Snyder's coming out, and that is going to be November 9th through the 11th here in Aberdeen. Uh, that course is going to sell out quickly. There are only 10 or 12 spots, I think 10, 10 spots available. So please come to that one. You're going to get three days of training with him. I'm going to be the AI for that course. It's going to be badass. So come and check it out. All right, guys, let's get down to this podcast. Here we go. How's it, everyone? This is Nate. I get to welcome you to the podcast and tell you about our sponsor for today, which is Oakley Standard Issue. Oakley Standard Issue is a division of Oakley specifically for serving those that serve government, military, law enforcement, firefighters, and EMS, the whole lot. Qualified members are going to get exclusive access to new products, service-related discounts. That's the big one but a whole lot more. Products they're probably already known for is the eyewear. Their eyewear is ballistic rated and industrial certified. Perfect for on the job. Footwear that meets uniform regulations while on duty, which is kind of a big deal. Some of my favorite boots I've ever had are the Oakley boots that I picked up when I was in Fort Bliss doing a ton of ruck marches there. Other accessories like gloves and backpacks. Uh, some of my favorite gloves I've ever had have also been Oakley gloves. Newly released off-duty styles and collections are definitely stuff that you want to head over and check out. Head on over to oakleysi.com to register. Then you can take advantage of our discount code, which is FIELDCRAFT15 at checkout to receive an additional 15% off of your first order. Again, that is oakleysi.com. Built to protect. Make sure you head on over and check that out. Hey guys, welcome to the Fieldcraft Survival Podcast. I'm your host for this episode. My name is Kevin Estella. I'm the director of training here at our Firebase in North Carolina. That's Aberdeen, North Carolina. And you know, this podcast guest, I think her introduction is going to sound a lot like a Game of Thrones title. I mean, let's think about it. Game of Thrones, you got like the Mother of Dragons, you got the Kingslayer, you got all these things. And you know, this podcast guest, I could say is, you know, eight-time world champion. I could say, you know, this podcast guest is you know, driver of Tacoma, or I could say that she is the, uh, the mother of Rose, which we're going to get to that in a bit, but you may know her if you've been following some of the media from various companies like Sig Sauer and Black Rifle Coffee. And, you know, you might just be following her organically because she is hilarious. And I think she is about as ADHD as I can be, or I should say <laughs> undiagnosed ADHD. Um, and a little bit of background. I first bumped into this gal, uh, at Sig Sauer in, I think like 19, or I'm sorry, 2017, I was taking a class and I look over my shoulder and I'm like, 
oh my God, you're professional shooter, Lena Mikulik. And, you know, total sweetheart, you know, very personable, took a photo with me. And then the next time I saw her, it was a very surreal moment. We'll talk about this one later. We were at uh, Sig Freedom Days in Arizona at the Ben Avery Shooting Complex. And, you know, next, you know, we're at the Airbnb that Fieldcraft has, and there's a whole bunch of industry folks there. And what am I doing? I'm eating tacos. And on one side of me, I've got Jack Carr. On the other side, I've got Lena Mikulik. And I'm like, I'm eating tacos with two total, total badasses. So with that long-winded, somewhat Game of Thrones, somewhat crazy introduction, I want to introduce you to Lena Mikulik, pro shooter, total cool person all around. Lena, how are you? Oh, hello, hello. Hi. Wow, I feel great after intros. You know, I, I no. do that usually to the guests. I like to, to try to build people up so the podcast goes well and we don't argue yeah. too much. Um, I'm just like sad I don't have like a hallway to run down and like a thing to jump through. At least a hoop of fire or something after that. Hey, but uh, yeah. You you can definitely do that. I'm sure <laughs> they would not mind over at Fieldcraft. We are moving out of that office <laughs> and we're moving to, from Heber to Provo. So we could probably set something up and... You know, you could you, you could have that dream come to fruition. I could have the entrance. I love. Well, thank you. Um, yeah, I randomly was looking back and saw a photo of you and me from 2020 at Sig, um, where I was taking a rifle class in the pro shop, and I was just like, "Hi, hello," and I was like, "Oh, look, <laughs> so here it, we are." So it was 2020. Mm-hmm. Oh I think so. Yeah. So right before COVID. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. February 2020. So yeah, literally right before <laughs> COVID. That is a big, uh, a big change from right before COVID and then Ben Avery last year, uh, different setting, different goals, uh, different sides, of, a little bit of all that I do. Yeah. And one of the funny things, not to be like a Alina Mikulik stalker or anything like that, but you know, after we met, I started following on Instagram and then I saw you post something where you're like, uh, you were out in the the middle of Utah and I know exactly where you were because I've driven down that road. I don't know how many times teaching for Fieldcraft, And I was like, I know that sign and not to be a weirdo. I pulled up the photo and I was like, yep, that's the one. I don't think I ever told you about that because it is kind of creeperish, but I'm okay with being called a creep. Uh, I just happen to well, remember the woods. I, oh, I found that Utah is a place that is so iconic that almost anytime I share about my trips out there. Everybody's like, I know exactly where that is. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, that's why I share these after I'm gone. <laughs> and you were just um, out there and we like, we missed each other yeah. by like a day or so. Cause I think you were out and uh, doing some type of media content or some type of shooting competition. I was just out there like three days ago. Oh yeah. I mean, I love Utah. I fell in love with it a, a few years ago on a random whirlwind trip where I had been stuck in the office for days on end, which is like my greatest nightmare. Mm -hmm. And I had a flight out at 11 PM and I had never been to the West, never been to Utah, never been, was never really a mountain girl, like Louisiana, Southern swamps, got it covered, (laughs) but mountains totally different. And, uh, I finally finished up my meetings. It's like five o'clock. I flew out at 11 o'clock to a competition. And I was like, I'm going to the freaking mountains right now. And I took my real car and I drove. I just drove, didn't know where I was going, drove towards the mountains, made it to the end of a road, found a trail, went to the end of that trail, and it was beautiful. And I shed a little happy tear on the side of this mountain looking at this lake. And I was like, whoa, mountains, you're you're definitely something I'm going to have to check back out. So 
anyways, that was my start of my love for mountains and what inspired actually the build of my Tacoma. Yeah, uh, let's let's talk years. about that because Ooh, because you've been you've been building that out for a little bit now, and I know there's always the adventures of you and your doggo. And yep. you, I think one time you posted up that you just purchased kayaks for it and you, like you sleep in the oh, bed yeah. of it. Like you're pretty adventurous when it comes to that, that taco. Well, much like the story I just told you yeah. about how I went to the mountain. Um, that's about how I decided to get into overlanding pretty much after COVID I had been in one space long enough that it gave me a moment to realize that I had been all over the US, all over it, my whole life traveling to competitions over, you know, 150 to 200 days a year, been everywhere and had seen almost nothing. Like I had seen airports, hotel rooms and ranges, which are always on the backside of the land that no one wants because it's a shooting range. So you're in the middle of nowhere. And decided I wasn't going to travel like that anymore. I had done it for uh, like, my whole life, but 11 years professionally. And I decided I wanted to drive. And also I had just discovered the mountains and thought that they were really cool and followed all the overlanding Instagrams and already happened to own a Tacoma, a long bed. So uh, much like my venture into the mountains, I just decided that having a cool truck that I could go wherever I decided I wanted to go in was gonna be what I did. So, so, so talk about the build. Time. In particular, yeah. you said it's a it's a this, six foot bed, and what have you done to it? Well, this is where I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie to you guys and act like I'm a car person at all. I have one rule, and in my overlanding adventures, and it's that I can't drive in anywhere further than I can walk out. <laughs> <laughs> I built a budget. And knew that I wanted a truck that I could drive places. And I found a shop in Arizona called State 48 Overland that came with wonderful recommendations from a friend. Uh, and I literally just like called him and was like, I have this budget. I want to do the things. Do <laughs> and the they things. built it for me. Yep. Yep. I told him I wanted to do all of it. Um, pretty much. I didn't want to research it at all. I didn't have the time. And I luckily went to professionals, which is why I love a professional, you know, somebody that has already learned all the things that would take me months of researching and they built my truck. You know, that can be I dangerous. A, oh, it, it can be, but it also came with a phone, a uh, cell phone number that I was guaranteed I could call at any moment in time, because although I don't, or I don't invest upfront in my research, I'll be honest. I do, once I have everything, love to play with it and learn how it works like in in hand, you know, mm -hmm. like learning how to winch and drive off-road. Like I've never, I had never driven off-road. So I built my truck and decided that's how I was gonna figure it out. Uh, a, a full send type of scenario is the only one that I do. Uh, if you're not already following uh, Jillian Rebecca, who does that Citizen J podcast, I was on it a couple mm -hmm. couple weeks ago. Total sweetheart. She is a ridiculous Tacoma enthusiast, and she takes hers mm -hmm. all over. She does a women's retreat. At some point, you should link up because, you know, I know she enjoys shooting, and I have a funny feeling the two of you could bounce ideas off of each other and, and maybe even get into some of that 
you know, Tacoma drive-by style when you're shooting at targets, you know, driving. Ooh, yeah, absolutely. Range. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and with my build, although I do love trying to escape um, off-road and adventuring, um, mine was built for a very practical purpose of like, I still had to be on the road 150 plus days a year uh, for my work. And deciding not to fly anymore meant that I was driving to all of them. So I did a lot of driving and a lot of just camping in all sorts of places. <laughs> um, a lot of Cracker Barrel parking lots. I mean, they are they are top-notch parking lot road trip, got to drive 27 hours, uh, kind of stops along with a bunch of beautiful and random places in between, uh, little, little parks and sides of roads. So, I mean, there must uh, be people out there wondering... <laughs> You know, there's, they're probably thinking like, okay, Lena Mikulik, she's driving across country in her Tacoma. Like if anyone were to mess with you, obviously they'd be on the wrong end of the gun and probably a lot of rounds, but did you find any like safety tips or did you pick up any tips from the road when it came to stopping out like a cracker barrel or like, a, I know Walmart parking lots, let like RVs go there as long as you call the manager ahead of time. Like what were some of your, your like rules for the road? Ooh, rules for the road. My big adventure into driving, switching from flying to driving on my own, camping in my truck, being on the road for months at a time, um, safety became a huge priority where before it was a, a very known system. So this is when concealed carry became um, a true constant for me and when solving the problem for how am I going to carry daily and how am I gonna do all the immense activities that I plan on doing uh, became a must. This was my deep dive truly into that. But what did I learn? Um, I've been lucky enough to go to scenario training and be around a lot of experienced people in this field. And I do ask a lot of questions, but number one is just having my eyes open. I'm never on my phone, gas stations, I always listen to my gut and I'm willing to not stay somewhere for the night or not go anywhere just because I pull up and I'm like, mm, nope, <laughs> turns out this feels wrong. I'm going to, I'm going to roll out. Uh, but always letting people know where I'm going also has been a must making sure that my Tacoma is truly stocked with everything that I would need. It's my truck probably brings me more comfort than anything else, knowing that I can solve so many problems if I can just be in my truck from the comforts of knowing that I'll have a place to sleep to being able to solve some medical problems to having all of my gear and clothes and my truck is like a giant suitcase for me. And I guess that once you have all the things with you, safety and security are easier than just a normal road trip. No, that makes sense. Yeah, it does. But is there any reason why you haven't upgraded at this point? I mean, the Tacoma is an awesome platform. I had one for a while. I'm, I'm I drive a forerunner now and there are times mm -hmm. where I look over at like the sprinter van life and I'm like, Hmm, there is something cool about having like a full size bed and, and having like a little kitchen and, but then again, I'm like, I'm driving a van, you know, like if that's, if that were the case, like, have you decided about upgrading at some point? Um, 
I I have. I'll never get rid of this truck. This is the second vehicle I've ever owned. Before it, I owned a Honda Fit. Mm-hmm. And I drove that little covered go-kart like nobody's business. <laughs> I'd load pallets, pallets of shotgun ammo in that thing and be dragging the ground. Um, but this Tacoma, I don't know. It'll, it'll, I'll never get rid of it. It'll stay forever. Whether or not I upgrade to something, I would love to have an option that I could eat more easily get to where I'm sleeping mm-hmm. and being in one compartment. That's one thing I don't like about uh, a truck setup is that to like, be able to drive away i have to get out of the bed of my truck like crawl out right, and right close everything up and then go around and get in where once again to the safety aspect if i was sleeping and there was a scenario that i didn't like going on outside best option is just to leave yeah that's the- what i'm all about but and being able to get to my steering wheel and just turn my uh, my vehicle on and go would be really nice yeah, whenever we do the mobility experience out in Spanish Fork, which I know you're familiar with. Um, so whenever we do the mobility experience, which you should come by for sometime if you happen to be in, in Utah and, and show up all the students with some firearm skills, we always talk about the trade-off. Like some people will say, oh, I'm just going to put my seat back and sleep in my vehicle. And if something bad ever happened, I could just push my seat back forward, turn the key and go. But the trade-off is comfort, right? And then some people say, mm-hmm. I'm going to get to my location and I'm going to put up my my rooftop tent. But then how long does it take to break down that rooftop tent? And granted, you do have elevated position. You can see further. It's great for mm-hmm. for sleeping very, very dry. You're not in the dirt. Again, mm-hmm. how you can't just get into your vehicle and go unless you're that person that's driving down the highway with the rooftop tent open, which <laughs> I've seen videos. I've never done it. Um, so there's always a trade-off, but uh, let's, let's, let's talk a little bit about, you know, what you do uh, when you are on the road so, so long. And let's kind of start from the beginning because, you know, I think we'd be, you know, missed to not mention your dad who I met the same weekend at Ben Avery in, in, Arizona. And what a cool dude. I remember watching him years ago and I was like, that dude's fast. Um, Mm -hmm. But there's something also that I just learned and I didn't realize this and maybe I'm wrong because I I did a little Mikulik research and on Wikipedia, it says that your mother has a brother who's a gunsmith named Jim Clark. Mm -hmm. Is that true? So, Yeah. um, It actually goes back further than that. Oh, do tell. Um, so I'm, uh, what I would say when I'm talking, you know, fancy about myself is that I'm a third generation firearms professional. Okay. Um, so my mom's dad, my grandfather, uh, he was a Marine sniper and then he became one of the very first ever custom gunsmiths for 1911s. Like he was implementing, uh, different things that eventually evolved to be like compensators and different uh, internal parts in 1911. And he was the first civilian to ever win Camp Perry, which is uh, one of the largest bullseye competitions. And then back then it was like the thing. So that's where he got his start, a true like hand to mouth. Like I'm going to build this gun. I'm going to go win this competition. I'm going to sell this gun out of the back of my car. (laughs) <laughs> that's why and then i'm gonna do it again because i mean if you can prove that the gun will win someone will want to buy it oh for sure um, <laughs> yeah yeah because it's always the gear you know it's the gear that makes the champion <laughs> so <laughs> he um he did that for uh, a long time and then had my uncle jim clark uh, jr took over the shop when he passed 
And then my mom had a gun store also for many years. Um, my cousins inherited the Clark Custom Guns, my grandfather's shop, after my uncle also passed. But they recently just retired. So Clark Custom Guns is no longer run by uh, a Clark, but I think it's all best for for the legacy of the shop. And then is that how your dad eventually met your mother? Like through going um, to the they store? They met through my, uh, through my Uncle Jim. Okay. My Uncle Jim and my dad were best friends and they were shooting buddies. And when my mom came back into the world of shooting a little bit later in life, uh, she started going and practicing with this you know, guy, Jerry, and her brother, Jim. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, and then that was that. Like, they just never stopped practicing together. <laughs> wow. Um, you know, it, it's funny that that's how it worked out. I didn't think that it would be like a relative, you know, recommending a friend to another relative. I think that's usually like one of those, those dating taboos, right? Like, because then it makes the friend someone in the middle of like two, two relatives. Yeah. And this wasn't a suggestion. This no. was like, we're all going to train to be like the best shooters. Okay. And we're doing it together. <laughs> I think it's been a long time. Their first date, you'll laugh. Their first date ever, or what my mom considers their first date, uh, was at SHOT Show. Get at here. Circus Circus at the Chicken Toss, the game, yeah. or Chicken in a Pot, that game. He won her, uh, he won at Chicken in a Pot. <laughs> and uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> That's my family legacy, where it all began. Circus Circus, SHOT Show. Okay, so fast forward, you're born. And at what age do you recall like the first time recognizing like, okay, I'm, I'm growing up in a family full of, you know, shooters. And when did you first get your introduction? Like, was your dad like, hey, Lena, try this out? Or did you um, approach your dad? Well, I was literally born and raised uh, on a on a shooting range next to my uncle's custom gun shop. Okay. And my mom is has a whole list of accomplishments on her own outside of just owning a business. She's currently the only woman to have a gold world title in all three disciplines of rifle, pistol, and shotgun. She has a bucket of national titles and other things. Um, so she was really leading the, uh, the shooting in the family for a long time. And then my dad went really, I think like, what would be considered full-time professional um, when he set his world records. That was such a big turning point, like a year after I was born, when he set his uh, revolver world record. Oh. And then mom also had me, so she was raising a kid and competing um, at the time. But I went to my first competition when I was three months old, and I mean, I was. there's pictures of me in my grandfather's gun shop you know, in the like little pop-up crib because my mom worked there uh, for the first few years after I was born. Uh, so you talk about guns everywhere in every fashion. Mm -hmm. uh, so when did I know or notice that that wasn't what everyone else was doing? Yes. That was a long time because I was also homeschooled. <laughs> so I thought it was weird that everyone didn't just travel around all the time with their family. <laughs> Around the around the U.S. and world, I'd say probably like eight or nine or ten was when I realized that 
And when was your first competition? Oh, when I was eight. You're serious? Eight years old? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I shot 22 pistol and rifle. And there was a shotgun segment to the competition, but I was too little (laughs) for that. But I shot on a team with my sister at what was called the Sportsman's Team Challenge. And uh, it was awesome because they gave me like this medal that was like the size of my head for being the youngest shooter they had ever had. And it was awesome. I was like, whoa, giant medals with an eagle on it and an American flag uh, little sash. It was quite intense and I loved it. And the next year I built up uh, a team of sub junior girls. So they made a new category called sub junior for 13 and under. Um, And I had a team and we started a new category and went and competed back at that for like five or seven years. It was my start. Wow. So that puts you right at like the high school years. And mm-hmm. I'm assuming at some point you've got to make a decision. Like, are you going to go say like a traditional route where you get like a nine to five job or do you become a professional shooter full time? Yeah. When so did that decision I, happen? I didn't like shooting. So although I started competing <laughs> at eight and when I say I don't like it, um, I've had a different relationship with it than most do because do pretty much everyone else like shooting as a hobby. You know, and in my family, it's always been a means to keeping food on the table Mm -hmm. and lights on. So it has a different um, feel to it and a different goal. So although I shot as a kid, it was like I was going to be at the range anyways. And I was like, well, this is fun. I'll do this, you know, like once a year. Nothing serious. You know, a couple weeks of training before. But no, like I'm on the path to be the best in the world yet. Uh, That didn't happen for quite a while but I discovered shooting for myself my parents never ever pressured me into training into firearms into being a competitive shooter but when I was 14 I had already worked a bunch of odd jobs and I got my first real job in a clothing boutique and I hated it (laughs) I had to do customer service for the first time. And I realized that you had to like lie to people. And I was atrocious to it. Like people would put on clothes, you know, and come out of the dressing room and be like, how does this look? And you have to, you have to say nice things. (laughs) The first time I had had to like business interact with people. And I just had never had to not say things that were truthful. Oh (laughs) my God. It would come out and I was, it was, I was not good at it. Uh, my voice would get real high pitch. I remember this vividly. Uh, oh, scarring moments, but scarring moments for you, just, or scarring moments yeah, for, 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 me, for Lindsay man, when I she have, comes out of the dressing room. I feel terrible because this girl's like, "Yeah, it looks good. Yep, that's how. Yeah, that's how it's supposed to fit." Oh my god! <laughs> but um, it was funny. But it was a very good moment for me, and uh, probably one of the most valuable jobs I ever worked because. I had a moment when I was there when the owner came in and like super nice lady uh, came in, had given me this job. Everything was great, but she was just coming in, picking up some stuff, going about her day. And I was in there sweeping. She came in and did this and left. And I was sweeping the floor and I thought, I am sweeping the floor of this lady's dreams. Like I'm building and 
doing this for her with my life, mm-hmm. with my time. And I did not like that. And I was like, no, no, I don't know what I want to do yet, but I'm not going to build somebody else's dreams. Um, and that lit a fire under me to figure out what I was going to do. Cause I was going to get my GED at 15 um, and either go to college or start working. Mom wanted me to go to college. I loathe school. Mm-hmm. So I just so happened to have just discovered this magical sport called three gun, which up until this point, I had never even been to a competition of my mom invited me for my 15th birthday to go and compete in Arizona. And I was was just, just decided to do it. I didn't like competing enough to make it my life yet because I hadn't found a discipline that spoke to me. But I knew I didn't want to work for other people yet. And I didn't want to go to college. So I had to figure something out. Um, and I went and shot this three-gun match. And the first stage, I missed, like, all the long-range targets. I went to war with this shotgun slug target. Freaking extra reloads with my pistol. And I got to the end of the first stage. And I was absolutely hooked. I could not stop, could not stop shooting three-gun. I loved it. So for the folks that are listening that don't know what three gun is, it's pistol, shotgun, and carbine. And Mm -hmm. typically in a course of course of fire, you're starting off with which do they vary it up? Um, And then what's your typical loadout? The cool part about three gun is that it's called um, or considered an outlaw sport. (laughs) So we have no governing body, no set rules. So like you want to make the field craft three gun competition. Guess what? You get to write up your rules. You can make us do whatever you'd like. You put anything out there from a zip line to shooting out of golf carts to speed shooting things, anything, anywhere from like two yards away to 650 yards to slugs prone to whatever your imagination can bring. Slugs and prone. Are you insane? I, <laughs> Slugs prone on hanging clays through a slot. Uh They can build elaborate courses of fire that are like themed. It's just whatever they can create. And it makes such a fun sport because the only thing you can do to prepare is try and be an amazing shooter Mm -hmm. because you don't know what other challenges you're going to have to face. Um, shooting weak side sideways with your carbine underneath a car out to 200 yards uh like shooting a course of fire that's 72 shotgun rounds and you look like and you got to carry all of it on you dear god uh, it's just uh i don't know i i fell in love with it because it's just controlled chaos whereas i feel a lot of other shooting sports are about perfection because this is no rules, because you'll never see this course of fire again, um, because it's time and points, there is no perfect. So you just have to do everything to the best of your ability uh, and problem solve on the go. It's really, it's truly what made me fall in love with shooting and decide that I would be willing to sacrifice, you know, like my hundred percent to become a one percent 
uh, in it in the in the competitive world. I've got two questions that just popped up uh, that relate to competitive shooting that I want to get into, like where you are now. Um, you mentioned, you know, become a really good shooter. So let's start with this question. I mean, obviously you come from a pedigree of amazing shooters and you've trained to a point where you've earned records and titles and, and sponsorships and whatnot, but where do you feel, or I should say, how do you recommend someone to level up? Like, obviously people are going to say dry fire and people are going to say focus on transitions and whatnot, but what are your tips? Like if you could talk to someone for five minutes and say, boom, do this, this will make you better. What's, what's the Lena Mikulik? solution um i got two things fire away uh one being a great shooter and being a great competitive shooter are two separate things because one you need to learn how to play the game which is an entirely different skill set than just being a great shooter Like you have to be a great shooter to be a great competitive shooter but you don't have to be a great competitive shooter to be just a good shooter um so depends on how you want to level up. If you are confident in your firearm skills, then guess it's time to learn how to play the game. And the only way to learn how to play the game is to truly do it. Get out there at club matches, go and watch the competition. Like you got to get time on the clock and in the pressure of competitive, in the pressure of a competitive setting. So that's one. The next one is when in doubt on what to practice, do what you hate the most. Whatever you can think of that just makes you want to punch somebody in the face and like cry. That that's probably what you should do because if you don't like it, you're probably not any good at it. So go ahead and just make that your your like super strength because weaknesses are what are gonna prevent you from being in the top, not just being the best, but like mitigating the bad because the good will be good. So now it's time to mitigate the bad and bring our bottom line up. You know, I'm not recommending this to, to anyone, but if you look at all like the, the cool guys and gals on Instagram that like doing demos and show like just demo after demo after demo of the same particular skill set, you can almost guess what they are not good at because they don't like showing that one off. And I'm not recommending you do it, but it's interesting when you go to a shooting class and someone on the line, again, it doesn't have to be you, but someone on the line asks an instructor who's known for doing something, say, with their right hand to do it with their left hand or asks an instructor to, to try a different firearm from a different platform. You know, like it, it's very interesting. We put out on Instagram what we're really awesome at and we don't show the other things. Um, but I agree with you on that one, the, that weak point training, like we don't like doing what we're terrible at, you know, it's like negative reinforcement, but the only way to get better is to do what we suck at and love it. That's a very important part of it. If you just do what you suck at and Mm -hmm. you're in a bad mind space and you're just beating yourself up, because guess what? You, you suck at it. Like, yeah, (laughs) it's, that's part of it. But if you can't suck at it and enjoy it, you're going to get burnt out. So Mm -hmm. learning how to associate that struggle with the only way to success is a huge shift in mindset that really has to happen, I think, for longevity in anything, especially um, shooting. That's awesome. And now the second question, 
Um, you have done a lot of different, um, I won't say campaigns, but like you've worked with, with multiple companies over the years. And I'm sure there have been times where companies have approached you where you're just like, no, I don't want to work with, with that particular one. Do you have any advice for anyone who's listening who might be following in your footsteps or attempting to beat your records or attempting to become like Lena Mikulik, you know, 2.0? Do you have any advice for anyone who is getting into this industry, how to avoid like getting the bad deal with one of these companies? Like, how do you select who you want to work with? Mm-hmm. Well, there's, um, yeah, let me share with, I get a lot of questions about how to become a competitive shooter if they want to pursue this. Mm-hmm. Um, everything from, I just want to try it to, I want to keep my lights on with this. Um, so I'm going to pick a little bit of the spectrum and talk to each point of it. Cause it's different goals. Mm-hmm but just with firearms. Uh, if you just want to get into competitive shooting and you want to try it, um, literally go to practicescore.com and it'll show you all of the local club matches. It's the place where all of the scores for pretty much every competition in the US that are put. And beforehand, it'll show you where they're located. They'll give you all the information. So find one near you, go to it. Um, if you've never been to one before, go to your first one without any equipment and just go and watch, ask a lot of questions. Who do you ask? Um, the people that are ROs or the people that, uh, just want to talk to you because guess what? If you show up to range with the want to shoot, people are going to want to share with you. They're going to be like, Hey, 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 come on. We want to <laughs> come join us. <laughs> it's fun over here. Uh, so if you want to get into it, that's my advice. Also check out uh, Shoot SIG. It's a new program run through SIG, uh, initiating just a great reason to go to the range and spend 45 minutes and shoot in a quick and fun competition. So those. Now, you want to be a pro. You're like, I want to make money doing this. Well, I got my first real sponsorship when I won my first world title. So if you want to just be the best, then you got to start that path. And there's no easy way to it. There's a lot of sleeping on people's hotel rooms, floors, uh, bum and ride. Uh, in I didn't get my first car. Instead, when I was 16, I spent my money on bullets. <laughs> so that will become your life. <laughs> Ammo is the lifeblood of a shooter. So you will trade everything for it. <laughs> Um, but when it comes to negotiating deals, you need to be honest about your value. I don't think there's much room left for people that are just great shooters to make this a career because you can be the best shooter in the world and have a, have a bad personality and a company's not going to want to work with you because you're not a good representative. So understanding your other values, like what else are you good at? Are you good at designing products? Maybe you support them in those efforts. Maybe you're a good trainer. So how can you help them educate people? Maybe you're really good on social media. So is that another avenue? But you need to have quite a few attributes to be able to bring value to a company and then be willing to support you. Um, but you also need to be probably like really, really good at shooting, which only comes from rounds downrange and time. 
<sighs> that was the struggle. When you're going to pick a company also, know that your recommendation is truly everything. Mm-hmm. So do not water it down. It is never, ever worth it to water down your recommendation. You need to believe in the product. You need to believe in the company and where they are going. That's very important because it needs to be going somewhere. And you need to be around people that you can truly work with. Um, if you don't have all three of those things, then it's not worth even beginning to water down your recommendation because you're not going to have an agreement that lasts. Um, so protect yourself. Just because someone offers you something for free doesn't mean that you should wear their logo mm-hmm. because you're setting your own price and you just set it at uh, a 20% discount on optic. And you said, yeah, I'll put your logo on my shirt. Well, that's all you're going to get. So you're going to have to go through a bit of famine. <laughs> uh, if, if, uh, if you want to set a price that is something that you can live off of. You know, <clears throat> that recommendation about, you know, your, your recommendation, uh, means something. There's a correlation between your recommendation and then your reputation. And mm-hmm. I think there are a lot of people out there that are just quick to attach their name to anything that comes across their table. Like, oh, this company is giving me 20% off here. This company is giving me a free this, this company. And it's like, after a while, you just get a reputation for working with anyone as opposed uh, we, to yeah. we refer to them as sponsor hoppers sponsor in the competitive shooting hopper. world oh my god well, i'm stealing that <laughs> well you you see it uh very very uh easily in the competitive shooting world because of the jersey mm-hmm. like you'll see somebody one season with this big old logo on their chest and making content and preaching their gospel and then the next season you see them with a different one and a different one and they usually uh, don't have longevity. Right. Right. Because like, yeah, how can you, you have no loyalty your recommendation just is whoever comes and offers you something a little bit more. Bonjour, mes amis. Ça va bien? This is Nate. And if that didn't make sense, don't worry. It'll make more sense here in a second. When I get to introduce the sponsor for today, which is Babbel, a language learning app, there's not a ton that I read about super hard, but learning languages is definitely one of them. I got to have really cool experiences uh, traveling the world, meeting people in different countries and different militaries, and I always enjoyed trying to build rapport with them by speaking to them in their language. And fast forward to today, you know, it's still a huge interest of mine in the daily habits that I try to curate. You know, With things like working out, I try to spend five to 10 minutes every day learning a language. Right now I'm doing French, German, and Spanish. For where I live, I get to speak Spanish with lots of people, which is really cool. French is a, uh, something that my son and I are learning together, which has been a fun way for us to connect. And ever since I was a teenager, checking out CDs from the public library and throwing them in my Walkman, trying to repeat common phrases. And then I found out that just using common phrases is not always a super effective way to have real conversations with real people. I have always wanted a tool, something that I could do, do it all with, uh, which is Babbel. Babbel was developed by 150 different language experts, and they have people from Yale researching and trying to make it better all the time. My favorite part about Babbel is their custom coaching. And if you have a trip coming up in three months and you want to be 
so proficient with the language, you tell them how much time you need you or how much time you have to be able to do it. And then, then create a program for what you need to do every single day to meet that goal. Uh, for me doing different languages, I, mine are super laid back and I don't have a trip coming up in three months, so I don't have to worry about that. I love their pronunciation coaching. It's actually super pretty uh, spot on. And for someone like me who pronounces things wrong all the time, I love to be able to try to learn it ahead of time correctly instead of having someone uh, correct me real time and tell me that I said something super inappropriate. So that's super cool. Uh, I love how clean the interface is. I'm given one problem at a time. And it's a great way just little by little to be able to get the the recall and the intervals that I need to actually feel like I'm making progress, but not overwhelmed all at the same time. So here is a special limited time deal for our listeners to get you started right now. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash fieldcraft. Get 55% off babbel.com slash fieldcraft, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash fieldcraft. Rules and restrictions may apply. Donke y hasta luego. On to the show. Damn, I am totally stealing that that terminology, sponsor hopper. <laughs> I'm going to use it because I've seen them in the knife industry and in the survival industry. And, you know, I try not to be a sponsor hopper. There are companies that I will stand by because I'm friends with the owners and I, I love the owners to death. Um, one day I hope to never be a sponsor hopper, but I'm going to use that term. <laughs> so now let's, let's talk about one of your biggest sponsors, because this is something that I, I wanted to have you on the podcast to talk about because the first time that I saw anything about this project that you're doing, it was a long form video that you did with SIG and you were speaking from the heart and having met you a handful of times, I know how, how lighthearted you can be and I know how, how fun loving you are. And when I'm listening to you talk in this long form video, I was like, Oh my God, she's speaking from the heart. Like it sounded like you were on the verge of tears because you were so passionate about this project. And then I looked into it and I was like, damn, that's really cool. You're getting a, a custom 365, but you're not only getting that, you're getting, you know, spare magazines with a mag loader, which that's like a number one complaint of a lot of new shooters. I don't know how to load these mags. You're getting a safe, you're getting, you know, opportunities to train. And then, you know, as this program evolved, I'm like, damn, like you're, it's really taking off and resonating. So talk to us about Rose. Where did this come from? kind of give us the spiel what when did you decide spiel. to do this spiel time rose uh, the center of my universe right now um so a little bit of backstory on it was during 2020 when i built my tacoma i was, was learning to solo travel and the world was just chaos um i got really really sick and tired of seeing people afraid just living in fear because like I, I truly grew up so blissfully secure mm -hmm. that my safety or the safety of those around me, like it was never concerned. Like there wasn't that it, I was oblivious to bad things, but it was that there was always a plan. There were always protectors. I was secure. So seeing these people try to live lives, with no security, having to rely on people that they don't trust, having to rely on just others, you know, the whole not being able to be your own first responder. Mm -hmm. um, I hated it. And I was like, well, I called to do something. <laughs> I'm called to do something. and I didn't know what it would be. 
um, and through a lot of personal searching, I figured out that what I have to offer the world uh, is my craft, one that I've mastered firearms. And my goal is to use that to support others in their goals and in feeling safe and confident. So back in 2021, 2022-ish, I decided that I was pretty much going to stop competitive shooting and do a national circuit of instructing. I wanted to instruct all over the U.S. Um, But that first meant that I needed to go to SIG and let them know that their competitive shooter, the person that for the past 11 plus years has only shot competitions to keep her lights on, like was going to not do that. So I kind of thought I was going to have a conversation with SIG where I got fired and I shared my reason, my goal, how I wanted to go about it. And they were like, yes, we're doing it. And I was like, what do you mean we're doing it? They're like, we're doing it. And I literally had a phone call and found out that a great gentleman that truly believes in me at SIG had pushed a presentation in front of Ron Cohen, our CEO, and told him that this was the direction and what was going to be happening. And we set off and it literally took off in a week. And by the end of a month's time, I had already gotten an entire team assembled at SIG, uh, pulled so many women from all these different departments to gather information and really laid the foundation for what Rose was going to be. So it's pretty amazing that they chose to believe in me and my personal mission. And instead of getting fired, I got um, more than I could ever imagine because it was able to take or it was able to make Rose something that has not ever been in the industry before, which is a manufacturer truly providing everything that the customer needs to be a confident and competent owner, not just pushing products, but pushing safety, pushing skill sets, pushing education, pushing and providing training in an online community for a very specific demographic, which is women, which is the fastest growing demographic in the firearms industry. So to be able to partner with them and do that is just a huge stride towards my personal goals of helping support other people in their firearms journey. So it's been truly remarkable, I must say. Yeah, you could say you you shot your 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 shot. You know, you you either are going to be promoted to do what you want to do or you're going to be fired and you took that chance, which I think that speaks to your competitive nature. Um you know, I'm I'm just messing around on the website right now and I'm I'm just looking at what SIG has, you know, on the site under, you know, sixhour.com forward slash Rose. And I'm looking at something here and it's like, okay, what is Rose? Who is Lena? And then I just clicked on this article. It says Susan's story. And Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like what I'm, what I'm liking about this, this whole, this project is that you're putting a lot of real people's faces with 
this product, right? It's not just like a highly, you know, manufactured photo and like glam and whatnot, right? Because there are so many in, in the gun industry and in the knife industry, you know, I look at photos of guys and I look at photo of, of women and it's like, okay, they both have crazy amounts of makeup on and it's so fake. <laughs> like, like this is just mm-hmm. real. And, you know, here's a, here's a woman, it says she's a South Sudanese woman who, I mean, let's face it, Sudan is not exactly the most peaceful country. And, you know, she's saying how she grew up afraid of firearms and speaking to your message of fear. And now she's on this journey of learning to be empowered. And mm-hmm. I'm sure you've met and I've, I'm sure you've got stories that haven't been featured yet, or maybe they won't be featured, but you have an opportunity now. Is there anyone that you've met in your travels as an instructor that you're like, I just need to talk about, you know, Jane Doe. She's awesome. She did X, Y, Z. I mean, what has your experience been like? Have you met any of these folks that you want to share right now? Oh my God. I've met so many of them. Uh, when I say that this is grown to be more than I could have ever expected or imagined. It's because of the people that have come to it, not because of just like what we've been doing. Um, We've had four or five in-person events for Rose from Florida to Nashville to New Hampshire. Uh, We're rolling out, going to have some events in Utah, all over the U.S. And getting to support the ladies that show up and their stories because they're just so hungry for information, for tools, for community, for everything that um, I have like a direct line into this industry with. And they show up and to be able to just give them the, the a place in which they can face this very uncomfortable thing that can be firearms and firearms ownership like Susan she's an amazing example because she before we have photos of her you know like you see her there and we have this article she had to go and sit down and have a real serious talk with her family beforehand because firearms were so taboo and there were members of her family that couldn't believe that she was going to go and actually shoot guns you know and then there were other ones that were you know okay if that's what she really wanted. But being able to take these people that are truly on a fence and encourage them and give them a place that they can learn and like work through this has been amazing. I can, when you say special students, I mean, oh, there's an online community, a Facebook group for women that is the Rose page and their stories are remarkable. So many ladies are finally facing a fear of firearms in their own space and time and way of taking baby steps. One thing about women, Mm -hmm. it's always true, is that we are the planners, we are the overthinkers, we are the detail-oriented ones. So when it comes to firearms, the old-school approach of just jump in, especially when it comes to personal protection, carrying a gun on you doesn't work. So being able to provide these ladies a place where they can feel comfortable in taking a step such as carrying a totally empty gun just in their house while they vacuum, Uh, being comfortable handling their firearm inside their home for a dry fire session. Like these steps are the ones that we all blow by because 
when we're in the industry, we're used to these things. But those are the hurdles that are truly keeping the majority of people from becoming competent firearms owners. They just have a gun usually in their closet that they're that they finally bought because there was something in the world more scary than a gun, but they're still scared of their gun, so they leave it locked up. Uh, so breaking down the barrier for people to actually be interacting with their firearms going to the range has been remarkable. Oh gosh. Well, there's so many, yeah, I've gotten cheered up at so many of these events (laughs) with these ladies that are just facing such struggles and the fact that they believe in me and this program and rose enough for this is a, for their personal protection uh, is such a responsibility and an honor, truly. A couple more questions about Rose. Um, you know, there are a lot of people I've seen when Sig posts something on Facebook or Instagram, I see a lot of men saying, this is the perfect gift for my wife. And something, you know, I mean, our podcast, our, our audience is, is roughly uh, 88% male, 12% female. So to all the ladies out there, you know, this one's for you, but it's also to the guys. There are a lot of guys that try to, you know, throw their wives into the deep end or their girlfriends into the deep end and say, here's a gun, go swim, you know, that type of thing. What's your advice for someone who wants to introduce a sister? Uh, maybe it's one sister introducing another sister, a husband introducing a wife, a, a daughter introducing the mom. What's your advice for speaking to the female persuasion about firearms and the why? Hmm. You can't force a why onto someone else. Mm-hmm. Concealed carry, you because it is like, let's be honest, carrying a gun, like it's a hassle, it's a pain trying to find gear that works for you doing all this. So if you don't have your own personal reason and why, um, I don't think you're someone that is willing to go through it. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't still become a great firearms handler and owner, which is the first step. So step one in concealed carry isn't just getting a holster so that you can carry a gun on you. It's being confident enough with a firearm that they're willing to even consider the step of actually walking out the door with a gun on them. So, um, in the online educational videos, it's very much so the approach of like an at home workout. Mm -hmm. You know, we've all done those videos on YouTube. We hit play and we follow along with the moves and get in a great full body workout. That way we don't have to know everything. We can just follow along and over time we'll gain more depth of knowledge. Like we're not just squatting anymore, bending our knees, but you know, like we're putting our weight in our heels and we're building form, but we have to get in the time and the reps to get there and to become comfortable. So in the, in the educational videos that are free and online, you do not have to buy a rose. You do not have to even own a SIG because we are about making everybody a good owner here. Mm-hmm. Um, but the follow along videos, I would suggest starting there. You don't need to buy them a gun. If you have a gun, sit down with them. Like if I truly had a friend or if a guy had a girlfriend or anyone in their life that they wanted to introduce it to, take two guns fully unloaded, play these videos and follow along with them. Let them follow along by themselves first if they want time to get comfortable without another set of eyes watching them. And then drive fire along with them. 
they walk the videos walk through truly like the foundation to grip and stance and sight picture and all that but more importantly further on they walk through structured dry fire training which you can just dry fire and get truly nothing out of it or you can be deliberate and you can get a world of good things out of it that is literally how I've become a world champion. So I've taken the structure from my training, put it into this for laying the foundations for firearm uh, handling. So just work through them. I guarantee if you just put in the time, you're going to feel great. And by the time you go to the range, you're going to do good. So, so often um, people go to the range and like the target, like, if you ever, if you're ever there and you're feeling anxious or you're just not totally confident in shooting, imagine if you went to school and you took a test and you hadn't studied. How would you feel? A terrible. You'd be all anxious and been out of shape. Well, studying for your test is how you feel comfortable in school. Well, dry firing at home is how you feel comfortable on the range and that little paper target you're shooting that is pretty much your printout answers of how well you've studied so work on your gun handling work at home get cozy there then go to the range solid advice <clears throat> um but anyways yeah that that's what i would do that, <laughs> that, that is what, what you do. do yeah Yep. And uh, I don't, if you have someone in your life that's like, I can't rack the slide, I can't do this, blah, 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 blah. Yes, you can. Um, I've yet to meet someone that I haven't been able to get to rack a slide back, to rack and lock a slide back and do all of that. And it's not a, we're going to make this, uh, we're going to make this product, quote unquote, you know, easier for you. We're just going to make you competent so that you can use any gun that you want. So take them to the videos, work through them. They're going to be ballers by the end of it, ready to take on the next steps in their firearms journey, whether that be concealed carry, personal protection, scenario training, whatever. And, and there's always room to improve. You know, that's the, the cool thing about it. <laughs> you know, you're a three gun competitor and this rose is obviously a pistol. Is it safe to assume that we're going to see a Rose rifle at some point? I mean, I hope we see everything Sig makes in Rose. <laughs> um, but we will see as far as products go, there are quite a few things in the works. But mm -hmm. my goal for this year isn't products, but truly making sure we're supporting our online community and um, our customers that we already have to the best of our abilities. Because like you said, there's always room to improve, especially when it comes to training and education. And Stig and I have the responsibility of making sure we're stepping up to the plate and providing all that we can. So I would love to throw out more products. Um, always be on the lookout. You never know. We just launched our concealed carry fanny pack and holster line. We have concealed carry joggers on there also, and all sorts of other products trying to make uh, make all this easier for everybody. You know, a couple of the guys that I, I work with here, um, you know, Casey Hildreth is our tactical training director, and he said, please extend my unabashed fandom to Lena. He's a huge fan of yours and, and Casey's a stud in his own right. Um, but then John Welk, who I work with here in North Carolina, he's like, 
dude, Lena's awesome. He's like, I don't know her, but I follow her Instagram and she's always showing how you can draw the pistol from all different ways, like from the fanny pack. But then he was most impressed when you were drawing the pistol from inside of like a, like a pair of like ski bibs or overalls or something like that. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I'm, 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 yeah. I'm going through your Instagram right now and I'm cracking up because you know, yeah. there's no doubt that you're enjoying what you're doing. And I think that's, that also makes instructors more enjoyable to be around. It's like when you go into a room, you know, like you can either meet an instructor who you can tell is just collecting a paycheck, right? They just want to get in, teach the students, get out. But then there's, there are instructors that you probably remember all throughout your lifetime that you're like, damn, that person really was having a great time teaching. And, you know, I got to wonder with you, like, obviously it looks like you're having fun doing this stuff on social media, but do you have a favorite thing that you teach? Like where, like craziest version of Lena, scale of one to 11, you're at 11. Like, this is what your favorite thing is to teach. My most favorite thing to teach is I, it depends on the type of student. When I have a student that has put in the time, but they haven't learned how to just push it till the wheels fall off. Mm -hmm. uh, and it can be with any platform, shotgun, rifle, pistol. Um, but it's the type of student that I enjoy the most, not just what I'm teaching, because being able to teach people to enjoy the suck, we talked about it earlier, go to that point of failure, doing the things you don't want to do, and just thriving there. If you can teach and share that with someone, then they can take it and do anything with it. Mm -hmm. We're just doing, you know, shooting right here, but learning to take the the nasty and make it your freaking crowning jewel will will just make a student have such a different experience on the range. Um, so that's my favorite thing. But if it's just a simple answer like guns, shotgun, because you know what? Recoil motivates people to have better technique. And shotgun shooting, I always refer to it as like a wrestling match. Like you're in there just freaking, you know, fighting that recoil. Mm -hmm. um, so I enjoy teaching that because it makes very motivated students <laughs> where uh, they want to listen really good because they want to be able to shoot fast and not have this not beat out of them. <laughs> we, uh, we have a fun shotgun class that we teach here in North Carolina. My buddy Jerry's the former police shotgun instructor and the students always remark they're like that is the most fun class because it's so visceral like it's it it rattles you and yeah. you know we're starting to you know both jerry and i are, are big fans of pump shotguns and that's what we you know cut our teeth on as as hunters and whatnot but we just got hooked up with beretta and i know you're you're big with mossberg but auto loading shotguns mother of god they are fun i mean yeah oh my god um everything and then the bullets are just you know, not bullets you know, uh, the shells are so yeah, big yeah. like compared to bullets so like you just get like four of them and you're like oh my gosh that's just so cool and like then learning <laughs> to speed load and then like in competitions we do everything from like getting to like breach doors with um to shooting moving targets to steel targets uh slugs and buckshot there's just a lot of variety within it and it's a platform that obviously remember we talked about you like the things you're good at and you mm -hmm. don't like the things you're not good at i'm good at shotgun so i like it <laughs> yeah is that your most uh viral video that you put out there the one of you doing the quad loading um it was my first viral video ever that thing freaking is everywhere 
and it's still there and it's got the most atrocious loud music it's some true like 2018 editing right there it's real bad (laughs) i'm gonna recommend everyone that's listening to this podcast just check out your instagram because you do put up some very very entertaining videos but there's they're intermixed with the educational videos and i mean it's just your personality coming out you know, like I started off this podcast introducing you and saying like we were eating tacos at that Airbnb and Jack Carr is there. And I remember like yeah. just so much fun. Like, you know, they say like to never meet your heroes and to never meet certain people, they let you down. But I can honestly say that you are exactly who you portray yourself to be online. That's who you are in person, you know, and it's Thank it's you. really refreshing. Thank you. Yeah, well, it's the only thing I know how to be. So <laughs> I'm glad that it seems to be okay with other people because either way, this was this is what it was going to be. Yeah, it's totally fine. Um, yeah, yeah, you gotta you gotta only do the things that uh, that speak to you. Much like with the sentiment of not not sweeping the floors of someone else's dreams, you gotta you gotta fill your time with things that truly fulfill you. Because it's way too easy in this life to to walk around quite hollow. That's no fun. Everything for a reason. Yeah, spot on. Now, where are you going to be training for the rest of the year? I'm not sure when this podcast is coming out. So maybe give some folks mm-hmm. like July on where they can find you, where you're going to be, where they can bump into you, watch you. I know you and your dad every so often will do a loading competition. I've watched that a couple of times and I've, I've laughed at the energy <laughs> that you, the two of you guys have back and forth. Um, but where can people find you? Yeah. Um, definitely check out my Instagram. If you can spell Mitchellick, M-I-C-U-L-E-K, you will find me because there's not very many of us. Um, I'm the one without the mustache. So that'd be pretty easy to differentiate, but Instagram is by far where I share the most things, uh, Facebook always. And then if you're interested in any of the things we talked about for the women in your life or for you in training, check out uh, Rose by Sig Sowers Instagram. And then their private Facebook group is really where I suggest women to head. We're going to get updates on our events. We hope to roll out, I think, three or four more this year uh dates and locations to be announced but yeah that's about it you'll find me on the range what i have coming up next is um on top of my pursuits with rose uh this year my competitive shooting goals are to walk away with uh another multi-gun national title uh here at the end of july and then defend for the fourth time my IPSC shotgun world shoot title in Thailand. In In Thailand. Yeah. So this is, remember that I told you I got my first sponsorship when I won my first world title. Oh yeah. Um, That was in 2012 at the IPSC shotgun world shoot, which was the first one of its kind, um, which these world shoots are the action shooting worlds equivalency of the olympics because we're considered too extreme for the olympics pretty much we're just too cool um (laughs) so we have these world shoots and i'll be going and trying to defend that title that i've held since 2012 trying as in doing it because that's what i do (laughs) damn well i'm wishing you all the best 
And I will extend an open invitation. If you can ever fit into your schedule, you have an open invite to come down here to the North Carolina Firebase and teach a class, you know, using our facility, our ranges, and, you know, meet all the, the Rose gals that are down here. We've got a awesome Cuban bakery right next door called Lynette's. And mm. I don't know if Ooh, you're a I fan. Food. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if you're a fan of food. I mean, I, I did see you. I mean, I eat it daily. So yeah. I'm I know. A that, big fan. Yeah. We all tend to be, you know, fans, but this is really good <laughs> stuff and they have awesome coffee. Um, but yeah, you can come down here anytime you want. And I'd love to introduce you to all the, the shooting enthusiasts in this area, but. Um, oh, well, thank you. I'd also love to take classes. Taking classes is like, oh, just my most favorite thing. So I'll have to be on the lookout because you guys offer such a wide variety and in so many different fields that I like, I'm just a competitive shooter and I only know what I know. So it's always awesome to see, uh, the someone else's perspective. Well, I happen to know of a survival class that's going to be taking place on September 9th at the SIG Academy, uh, taught by this really awesome half Filipino, half Polish dude that oh. always gets mistaken for the owner of the company because we happen to be the same age, same height, and all that. So, yeah, and, and yeah, there might be, I, I know that there's more than half the seats sold so far, but I have a funny feeling I could probably get you in, just throwing that out there. Mm, 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 mm. all right we'll have to revisit this subject yeah we will <laughs> but for now thank you so much for being on and for those of you listening thank you so much for joining us on the fieldcraft survival podcast i've been your host kevin estella and we've been here listening and talking to lena mitchell so thank you so much we'll see you next time <laughs>